You're listening to a CFCC audio podcast. For news and service times, visit www.cfccnet.org. Good morning. Good to see you guys today. Uh, we continue um, the series today face to face. Last week, we looked at the two men um, who were encountering um, disappointment as they had witnessed this incredible triumphal entry, and then everything turned, and uh, the one that they thought would deliver them from the pagans was hung on the cross by pagans, and they were very, very confused, very, very disappointed. You know, when we go through seasons of disappointment in life, intense disappointment, um, disappointment often leads to doubt. Disappointment often leads to doubt. Now, some of you will be a little um, challenged by the message today um, because you do not see faith and doubt as two things that can be compatible, as two things that can exist at the same time. Uh, I want to propose to you that that's not accurate. I want to propose to you that we can live lives of faith and obviously not have all the answers. We can live lives of faith and there be still some areas that we have intense questions about. That if we wrote them down, someone might say, do you really doubt that? And at that moment, we have a choice to either exercise faith in the midst of our doubts or embrace unbelief. I believe the person who is seeking God, the person who is in relationship with God, isn't looking how to disprove the faith. They're wanting to hang on to that which will encourage them in the faith, regardless of where you find yourself today. God will meet you in your doubt, if you're willing to meet him. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you are faithful and you will meet us again and again and again in the challenges of life and you will help us stand. You will help us move forward. You will help us exercise faith When we don't have all the answers. Because doesn't faith involve trust? Father, help us to trust you even when we have questions, even when we have doubts. Father, I pray for those who are here today who are yet to cross the line of faith, are yet to say, like Thomas said, my Lord and my God. Father, I pray that you would help people to move forward 
in faith today. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to move fairly rapidly, have a little more than normal to share. This might be a little different setting than normal um, in our teaching, Um, but if you would, um, just buckle up and, and, and let's go. Uh, I want us to look at a few quotes as we get started. Uh, the first quote is by C.S. Lewis. He's the author of many, many books. A fun book would be the Screw Tape Letters, um, which um, helps us see how the devil might work um, to confuse us, to attack us. Another book, maybe his most famous book, is Mere Christianity. A book that many people do not know about is a book, Grief Observed. Grief Observed. It was actually first published under a pseudonym, and usually when an author publishes a book under a false name, there's a reason for that. They don't want the work attributed to them. You see, C.S. Lewis fell in love in his 50s. And he married a woman by the name of Joy Gresham. Four years after they married, Joy died of cancer. She didn't pass suddenly. She passed after great suffering. And C.S. Lewis wrote these words. Meanwhile, where is God When you're happy, so happy, you have no sense of needing him, so happy that you are tempted to feel his claims upon you as an interruption, if you remember yourself and turn to him with gratitude and praise, you will be, or so it feels, welcomed with open arms. But go to him when you need, when your need is desperate, when all other help is vain, And what do you find? A door slammed in your face and a sound of bolting and double bolting on the inside. After that, silence. Why is he so present a commander in our time of prosperity and so very absent a help in time of trouble? Does that sound like doubt? Uh, Many have described a dark night of the soul that mature followers of Christ go through. This is a dark night of the soul. In 1997, Mother Teresa passed away. In 2007, um, some manuscripts, some writings of her were um, published. I always get this word wrong, posthumously, all right? Uh, After her death. And the title, I actually have this book, I've never read it completely, is Come Be My Light. Mother Teresa, no less, wrote these words. Since 49 or 50, this terrible sense of loss, this untold darkness, this loneliness, this continual longing for God, which gives me that pain deep down in my heart, darkness is such that I really do not see, neither with my mind nor with my reason. 
the place of God in my soul is blank. There is no God in me when the pain of longing is so great, I just long and long for God, and then it is that I feel he does not want me. He is not there. The Christian world was shocked by these words when they came out. I mean, shocked. Both Christians called her a hypocrite and the secular press did more than call her a a hypocrite. Um, They just pounced on her. Of course, she was dead. Um, She's considered a saint in the Catholic church. We might not think those are words of a saint. Now, regardless, if you have much respect for Mother Teresa, uh, most believers would have great respect for C.S. Lewis. I have respect for both of them. Uh, Mother Teresa founded um, the Sisters of Charity, or some would say the Missionaries of Charity. There are over 4,000 individuals that are part of this group who minister to people in the most abject poverty. You say, Dale, really? Is that the way you're going to kick off the message today? Really? Because I want us all to realize that to doubt is to be human. Or you might say to be human is to doubt. I can list numerous places in the Bible where people doubted. Abraham and Sarah doubted. They doubted. You might say that even Adam and Eve doubted in the garden because the enemy came to them and said, did God really say? You see, he planted a seed of doubt in their mind. Job writes, behold, I cry out violence, but I am not answered. I call for help, but there is no justice. John the Baptist was a doubter. In Matthew chapter 11, verse two and three, now when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? You see, John the Baptist is in prison at this time about to be beheaded. Intense fear often gives way to doubts. As the disciples were waiting for Jesus, he's told them to go and wait for me. He is about to give the great commission. The Bible says these words, disciples doubt it. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubt it. Now Christ is resurrected. He's appeared many, many times. He's about to ascend to heaven but there's still doubt in some disciples' hearts. Some doubt God's plan. Some doubt God's goodness. Some simply doubt the existence of God. Some doubt God's justice. But the fact is, people do doubt. 
I want us to look at a beautiful story about someone we often call Doubting Thomas. All right, if you have a Bible, um, you can look in John chapter 20 or you can follow along as the scriptures are um, put up on the screen for you. John chapter 20, verse 24 and 25. Now, Jesus has already appeared to the other disciples, but for whatever reason, um, Thomas was not present on that resurrection day, all right? He is not present when the other disciples see Jesus, and Jesus tells them pretty much the same thing. Touch the nail prints in my hand, touch my side. You know, if you don't believe, believe. And the disciples believed. Now, we don't fault them for needing to see the physical Jesus to believe, but we fault fault Thomas. We don't fault them for not believing Mary Magdalene, right? But you see, they had to see Jesus. Seeing was believing. Now, Thomas, verse 24, one of the 12 called the twin, he must have a twin brother or a twin sister, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the marks of the nails and place my finger in the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will not believe. Guys, we shouldn't be that surprised about this. Thomas has had questions in the past. Thomas has been very blunt and bold in the past. When Lazarus was dead and Jesus and several disciples were going to the place of Lazarus' death, um, Thomas said, let's go with him and we will die with him. He was an optimist, right? Right? Jesus said, In my father's house, John 14, are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I'm going there to prepare a place for you so that you might be with me where I am. And Thomas raises his hand, Lord, we don't know the way to the place you're going. And then Jesus says those famous words, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the father but by me. You see, most professors would love Thomas because he'd have his hand up all the time, right? Asking questions. Guys, questions are good. Questions help you grow in your faith. Don't hide your questions. Share your question with someone you trust. Last week, I talked about disappointment. I'm very honored. This morning, I had a text from someone who said, Dale, uh, I've been through disappointments. You want to have lunch? You know, I'm not a talker. I'm open. Had someone in the coffee area. Dale, you mentioned disappointments. I don't know what your disappointments are, but I've been praying for you this week. Don't we need friends like that to meet us in disappointment? And guys, we need people to meet us in our doubt as well. The Bible doesn't say it, but it could be possible that Thomas withdrew because we often withdraw when we're hurting. We don't lean into people. We often like to be alone. 
And so on that resurrection day, Thomas was the only one of the 11 not there. I love this story as it continues. If you would look at verse 26, 26, three simple principles about these verses. Jesus speaks into our struggle. He doesn't, you know, we do hear of a dark night of the soul and I've been through some dark times in my life, but I'm thankful that I've heard God during dark times. So I'm telling you these dark seasons occur, but I'm also thankful that God speaks into our struggle. Look at what Jesus says. Eight days later, his disciples, verse 26, were inside again. And Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, they're still afraid. And they probably should be, by the way. Although the doors are locked, still locked, eight days later, when they gather, they lock the doors. Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Shalom. Peace be with you. You know, Jesus said that I'm going to give you guys peace. He says this earlier in the gospel of John. I'm going to give you peace, but my peace is not like peace of this world. The peace that I give you, it lasts. He speaks peace. Surely they thought of the words of Jesus. I'm going to give you peace that lasts. Guys, Jesus Christ can speak peace in the midst of our struggle. Please hear me. Our struggle often does not end but we can be at peace. You see, I've learned to be at peace when I don't have all the answers. I hope you have. I've learned to be at peace when there's no sign, there's no end in sight to the struggle I'm facing. I could well say, God, why aren't you answering my prayers? Or I can trust God in the midst of my struggle, right? Jesus speaks peace. Let's continue. Not only does he speak peace, he meets us in our struggle. Jesus is with you in your struggle, whether you feel it or not. This passage by Mother Teresa, her mentor, her her spiritual guide in her life told her these things. The fact that you still have a longing for God is a blessing from God. Ever thought about that? Even in the midst of the silence, in the midst of our darkness, the fact that we still long for him is a blessing, an incredible blessing. C.S. Lewis wrote, in fact, this was in Mere Christianity. He wrote that when I see injustice in the world and, and it makes me sick and I cry out, where's justice? He said, the fact that I want justice in this warped world is emblematic of the fact that there is a just God and that is what I expect. Jesus meets us. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. 
put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve. Some of your translations, do not doubt. Do not be doubting, but believe. Do not disbelieve. A negative, an A before the word for believe. Do not disbelieve, but believe. I'm so thankful that that Jesus didn't stiff arm Thomas, right? He didn't say leave, get away. Have I not done enough for you? Was it not enough that I died for you? Was it not enough that by the power of God I was resurrected for the dead? Leave. No, he says, Thomas, draw into me. Thomas, you want to touch my hands? Go ahead. You want to put your hand to my side? Go ahead. Stop disbelieving. Don't stay in this position of doubt going back and forth, back and forth. You see, that's what we do when we're doubting, back and forth. Some of you go back and forth with no intention of exercising faith. Now, that's a longer discussion, but I just have a question for you. Do you have all these questions you have because you don't want to believe in God Or do you have all these questions you have so that you might find some resolutions, maybe not all the answers, but some resolutions so God can draw you? Do you want a relationship with God? Exercise faith. Don't ask for all the answers. If we had all the answers, we would be exercising fact. Do you hear that? We exercise faith, trust, we're depending. Now we'll say a little bit more about that in a moment. Next verse, 28 and 29. Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God, Jesus said to him, have you believed because, I need to go back. Jesus, I'm sorry, Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. It's the only time in the book of John that anyone is called Jesus God. They've called him Christ, they've called him Messiah, but not God. It's interesting, John has come full circle. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Jesus was God. And now Thomas says, my Lord and my God. You say, I have to commend Thomas. He, he didn't say, I believe when he didn't believe. He didn't say, I, I, I'm going to trust when I really don't trust. No, he's all in. My Lord and my God. But Jesus says to him, a gentle rebuke, which I think is an encouragement to you and me, Thomas, you believe because you've seen. Blessed are those. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. This word blessed is is a beautiful word. Many only emphasize happy, happy, happier those who exercise faith. But it's more than that. Accept it. 
are those who exercise faith. Blessed, they are mine. God longs for people to exercise faith. I do wanna warn you, doubt's dangerous. It's very dangerous. You have an enemy who longs, I usually use this statement, a little bit of an athletic, but loves to take you out at your knees. Your knees are weak when hit from the side. You are weaker in your doubts. But thank goodness your your doubts can put you in a position of dependence. Your doubts can drive you to pray. Your doubts can humble you. Your doubts can give you a longing for heaven. Your doubts can grow you deeper in your relationship with God. But make no doubt, no pun intended, you're not gonna just stay in a neutral state of doubt. You're moving. You're moving. Leave your unbelief and believe. The enemy does not want you to believe. In the Garden of Eden, Right? Has God really said? In the wilderness, Jesus was tempted. His identity was called into question by the enemy. And I guarantee if you claim to be a child of God, your identity will be called into question by the enemy. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it more abundantly. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Doubters make great dinner. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might, put on the whole armor of God, the shield of faith. Faith. We've kind of walked around it. There's emotional doubt, and that usually deals with, does God really care? Habakkuk writes these words, O Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear? Or cry to you violence and you will not save? Why do you make me see iniquity and why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. So the law is paralyzed and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous. So justice goes forth perverted. Look among the nations and see, God says. Wonder and be astonished for I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. A better question versus is God just is why does God wait so long to carry out justice? And all I can say is I don't know. I don't know why we see gassed individuals in Syria right now. I don't know. But we shouldn't blame God. We really should blame those who are carrying out the injustice. And I guarantee God's justice will in time be swift. 
A second key form of doubt is intellectual doubt. Is God real? Is the Bible true? Is Jesus the only way? Can science and the Bible both be right? Those are good questions. I wish I hadn't put the person's name in this quote. He was struggling. He was going through a dark time. His book is entitled Just As I Am. A contemporary preacher's book was entitled Farewell to God, Charles Templeton. His book was published first. Billy Graham writes these words. Oh God, there are many things in this book I do not understand. There are many problems with it for which I have no solution. There are many seeming contradictions. There are some areas in it that I do not see, that do not seem to correlate with modern science. I can't answer some of the philosophical and psychological questions. Father, I'm going to accept this as thy word. Do you hear all the questions Billy Graham had? But he exercises faith. He says, I believe this to be God's word and I will trust it. Father, I'm going to accept this as thy word by faith. I'm going to allow faith to go beyond my intellectual questions and doubts. I will believe this to be your inspired word. Just a few simple words. Own your doubts. Emotional doubts, intellectual doubts, own them. By the way, You don't check your brain in at the door if you're a follower of Jesus. Being a follower of Jesus, exercising faith is not an excuse not to study, not to dig, not to question, not to read. Apologetics is a a whole field of study where we're able to communicate arguments in favor of the existence of God. The arguments are out there. But Billy Graham is not stupid. The questions are out there as well. Can I be comfortable with questions? By the way, if you're not comfortable with questions, that means you have all the answers. And last time I heard, only God is omniscient. Only God knows everything. You do not. And if you have a formula for every challenge ever asked by a doubter, I don't believe you have the right answers because I don't believe all those answers exist. Own your doubts. Exercise your faith. The Cambridge Dictionary defines faith as a high degree of trust or confidence in something or someone. Faith and reason are not enemies. I don't believe science and reason for the most part are enemies, even though there are some real conflicts and science typically prides itself, some scientists, in trying to destroy the faith. 
But faith does not mean being flippant about your reasons for believing. The author of Hebrews writes, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the evidence, the conviction of things not seen. By the way, if you don't exercise faith, you'll never please God. In fact, there's something about God that loves the faith of his children. And without faith, it is impossible to please him for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Both parts of that verse are critical. Believe that he is, but that he's active, he's engaging, he meets you, he rewards you when you seek him. Paul says, for we walk by faith, not by sight. That spiritual dimension of the enemy is an unseen dimension. If we saw every attack of the enemy, we would probably be able to defend ourselves much better. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Paul writes, for now we see in a mirror dimly I heard James Dobson, he was interviewing someone one day about the sovereignty of God, about predestination, about um, reform theology. And this person, you could sense, leaned in that direction. But at the end of the day, they concluded there are some things we will not know perfectly. There are some things we will not know completely until we enter heaven. I personally believe that. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I've been fully known. The end of John's gospel. But these are written so that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Would you be willing to say, if asked, if I ask you, do you have life in the name of Jesus? Have you believed? Have you placed your faith in Jesus Christ? Would you say, absolutely, Dale? You see, it's okay to say, Dale, I don't have all the answers. I brought all that I am to God. I brought my questions to God. I brought um, the areas to God that I'm uncomfortable with, that I don't understand. No, a real challenge for many people is billions of people entering an eternity without Jesus Christ. If you don't struggle with that, you don't have a heart. Do you believe? Have you placed your hands, your life in Jesus' hands? Be comfortable in your doubt. But don't allow your doubts to be an excuse for not exercising faith. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. 
I thank you that you meet us in our struggle. I'm thankful that you lean into us. I'm thankful that you speak peace into our lives. I'm thankful for for men like Billy Graham that didn't hide his struggle, but announced his struggle. I'm thankful for C.S. Lewis, who in the midst of great pain after losing the love of his life, he had waited a lifetime for joy. And after four short years, she died of cancer. Can we show him grace? Can we allow him to struggle? Father, I I speak your blessing upon those in this place who are struggling today. I pray your peace over them today. Father, for those that are making excuses because of questions and arguments who have no intention of leaning into you, have no desire to embrace your love and your son, Jesus. Father, I pray that you'd wake them up and help them to see you're real. For your followers in this place that feel like second-class citizens of your kingdom because they're struggling with doubt, Father, I pray that they might know your forgiveness and they might know you meet them. You long to meet them in their struggle. Father, I thank you for those in this room who have struggled well, both with intellectual doubt and emotional doubt. Father, may we walk together. May we not isolate ourselves. May we walk together as we grow in our relationship with you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask those serving communion to come forward at this time. Those men on the road to Emmaus knew God's grace. Don't you think Thomas had a special taste in his mouth of God's grace? I guarantee he did. Jesus called him out personally. Thomas, what do I need to do? Maybe God's saying to you today, what do I need to do? I think often he says to us, have I not done enough? I demonstrated my love to you. I sent my son to die for you. I'm drawing you into relationship with myself. You sense it, you feel it. What more must I do? Confess your struggles. And embrace God's grace today. If you're not a follower of Jesus, become one. Trust. Embrace. Prayer partners will be here for you. Lord's Supper is for followers of Jesus. You will be given a piece of bread 
representing the body of Christ. You will dip it in the cup representing the blood of Christ. Would you come now and celebrate God's grace?